struggle through a post-merger integration when you can glide through it? Why deal with the PMI integration challenges when you can overcome them even before they occur? Why move slow when you can move at pace? What are the world's leading PMI experts doing right now to achieve profit accelerating integrations? This podcast will give you all the answers to these questions and many more. My name is Dudley Peacock and welcome to the 100 Days and Beyond podcast. Welcome to the 100 Days and Beyond podcast to the audience out there. Thank you for joining us with for a, another live stream and, an, and another fantastic guest. Um, today, we, we really have a guest that comes from an entirely different sector we haven't had on the show yet. And I believe that this is going to be a fascinating uh, episode, especially because uh, Robin's experience in that really adds a new dimension to a lot of the episodes we've already recorded up to now. So the audience, I really hope that you, you stay with us and stay with us to the end. Um, welcome to the to the podcast listeners. Thank you for joining us on, on, on our latest episode of 100 Days and Beyond, the podcast that that highlights and emphasizes the, the wonderful world of mergers and acquisitions, the wonderful world of what happens post-deal, especially around integrations, post-merger integrations, post-acquisition integrations, and all the things that happen around there. Thank you very much for joining us today. Robin Adder. So Robin, um, I'm going to read your, your profile briefly, and then we're going to go into some of the some of the core details, and I'm, I'm really keen to get into this conversation. Robin uh, is a thought leader, serial entrepreneur, CEO of EdTech, Barefoot e-learning. I really have to learn about where that name comes from, but EdTech Barefoot e-learning, essential digital skills limited, helping to close the digital skills gap by providing IT and soft skills e-learning to training centers and businesses. And I think that's that's uh, and, and that's quite interesting. The, in your summary, you talk about uh, having founded and sold three successful bus uh, IT businesses: GTS Learning. Uh, uh, Barefoot Computer Training Limited, CWP uh, uh, Computers Limited, etc. Um, you also put yourself out there as, in your early career, as a chartered accountant <laughs> specializing in corporate recovery, investment banking, and specializing in, in M&A and corporate finance. And that's, I mean, that's significant yeah. stuff. So, Robin, I'm really looking forward to the conversation. Tell us a little bit about how you got into your whole career, because I think it's it's got an it's got a fascinating background background backdrop. Um, please go ahead, Robin. Welcome to the show. Thank you. <clears throat> what a what a great uh, introduction. So I started my uh, my uh, uh, life as a uh, by studying a law degree and and then followed the strict guidance of my parents and went into accountancy um, on the basis that it was a safe um, career uh, uh, direction. Um, unfortunately, it didn't totally uh, entice me, but uh, I did enjoy, um, after qualifying and uh, moving into, uh, as you said, the recover corporate recovery, because that gave me some independence to go and, albeit uh, uh, run a, a business that had failed, uh, you were in charge and you were trying to sell it. And so that was my first experience in, in uh, managing uh, businesses. Um, albeit, as I say, you know, where you weren't actually responsible for the profit or loss because it was in uh, administration. Um, I then uh, got very envious of my uh, peers um, in banking who seemed to earn a lot more than me. So I decided 
I'd like to get a job in investment banking, uh, which I did. And um, from a large company, corporate finance, uh, I moved into uh, a small merger and acquisition department um, and spent a year there. But the bank I was in, uh, NM Rothschild and Co., wasn't too impressed with uh, with small deals. And so uh, they, they weren't really supporting us. So I then switched to uh, an American bank, a bank uh, um, in their M&A department. And that wasn't going too well. I suddenly discovered our whole team was about to be um, taken by the uh, director to another bank. I thought, I can't, I can't keep doing this. So I went to see my, um, uh, one of my friends who was a, uh, a founder of a headhunter, uh, headhunter company, which is a public listed company today. And he said, do you want to get into IT? You want to get into word processing? Sorry, we did not use the term IT in those days. Word processing. And I said, well, what is word processing? It's, it's the future. And so I, that's how I got into, into my first um, job, actually. And um, uh, not my first job, my first company. Yeah, that, that, that's fascinating. And, and, and I think that's quite interesting because I think where a lot of us start off, and if I, if I even think about my, my background, I, I studied mechanical engineering. And never practice today. <laughs> you were lucky enough to have gone into into a certain bit of a, of a career uh, to a certain extent in recovery and and, and so on. But uh, um, you know the, the weirdest thing is that life takes us in different directions. But I think, and I and and I mean, with four four children, I got to say that 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 for me the difficulty and I see them struggling with it too, is how do you know what you're going to do one day? If you're 18, 19, 20, 21, I think even in, when you're in your 30s, sometimes you still don't know what you're going to do. And then I think even in, in, in today's environment, in today's world, and you're part of an e-learning ecosystem, and I want to touch on that, uh, roles, responsibilities, jobs that uh, didn't exist 15, 20 years ago are now you know, just accepted as the norm. Um, I just, uh, you know, something that pops to mind is most people don't realize. I mean, we we get so used to uh, YouTube or something like that as a as a as a medium. I mean, that's a great way to find information. Didn't exist before two thousand and six. Uh, you know, if you think about Facebook and all these things, I mean, it's 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 like Facebook's getting old now. Uh, you know. But it only started the other day. <laughs> so things have changed significantly. So that's a very interesting background. So you led, led into that, and then you started evolving. So you started asking questions. You started getting involved in, in, in different things. So you talk about M&A. How did you end up then in, in an e-learning environment and, and, and so on? What, how did you shift in, in moving those to sort of direction? Well, the first company, um, the first transaction I did uh, was with, so, so I started with this word processing business and, um, uh, and ran out of money in six months. So I then started, um, uh, again, but with this time with my ex, uh, university roommate, um, who had been working in finance as well, who was much whiter than me, I'd say, um, although he was a little bit, uh, eccentric and, um, we, we started this computer company selling Apple computers. Uh, it was a fantastic success. Um, uh, to start with, we were the largest reseller of Apple in the UK. Um, but further down the track, um, the first um, 
disposal I made, in fact, rather so sale rather than acquisition, was of our engineering business. Um, we had an engineering maintenance business, which was which was small, but it was profitable, obviously. And um, we were approached by a large uh, engineering firm, uh, sorry, services firm, who, who who said they they'd like to buy the business, and uh, hadn't occurred to me that we might sell it because I felt it was part of our company. And um, so uh, we, uh, uh, we took a look at what they were offering. At, and then I said, well, look, obviously, uh, we're only going to sell this to you if you take on the staff. And they said, of course, that goes without saying. Uh, and uh, we then did, uh, did our first deals, which actually was the worst thing I ever did in that with that company because uh, our engineering business was the, the solid uh, recurring cash flow. And, uh, of course I didn't, at the time I thought it was a great opportunity I'd never sold uh, a business before I could pay off all my debts. Uh, a world was, uh, the world was beautiful. Um, anyway, I got it wrong. There we are. I obviously didn't study my accounting hard enough. Um, but, uh, that was my first transaction. The business took over our engineering business, uh, took over the staff and they were happily employed and I tracked them for about six months and then. Then um, they, it all went well for them. That's uh, that, that, that's great. And and, and if we if we look at um, if we look further on in 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 your career, you you, you started the you're looking at uh, barefoot computer training. Yeah. Um, and if I look at the dates, um, you've got there January 1992, and I want to just talk about. What kind of computer training would you actually do in 1992, as opposed to now, and, and so on? Uh, you were there for about six years. Uh, firstly, I want to know about barefoot. Where does that come from? No, yes. Uh, okay. Uh, firstly, the uh, actually the, the company lasted. It was longer than that until we we sold it. Um, we 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 called it uh, the barefoot computer training after the Chinese barefoot doctor. Um, the Chinese Barefoot Doctor was uh, a, an initiative um, in China in the 1960s. Now, I wasn't around. I, I, I hasten to add, but I don't want to get you um, think that I'm uh, an, uh, a sage. Um, it, they had this initiative whereby, um, as most people lived in the countryside, now they live in the cities where that's where the work is. But at the time, it was all farming. Uh, if you fell ill, um, in, in those communes, you were told to stay at home. If you felt worse, go to bed. And if you really feel ill, you'll have, you'll, you'll die. Um, and so they decided they needed to implement some kind of, uh, of doctor, mobile doctor system, which I, you could sort of equate with today's paramedic. Um, so they trained people up to be barefoot Chinese doctors who went around the communes, teaching somebody in each location the basics of med medicine so that they could actually uh, help people who were sick get better uh, unless it was a serious disease they couldn't cure. And we were, um, we were, we were giving, well, start the, this, this concept started um, in, uh, in my computer company and carried it over. In the computer company, we used to get um, maintenance calls, uh, our engineering department. Um, computers are smart, being as broke is not working and you go out there and find that most of these faults were user error basics. I don't think the world's changed. You know, your computer 
screen doesn't come on. If you have a contract, you call or you call your central support and say, my screen's not working. They come up, they find you haven't pressed the, uh, the connection in properly on the computer. So we, we, uh, used to run these courses called Barefoot Engineer. Um, and, uh, and it would give first level support to, 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 to create a hero in each department. So you'd have, or in each company. So you'd have the, the Barefoot Engineer in, in, uh, you know, the pharmaceutical company or Barefoot Engineer in the oil company or Barefoot Engineer at the, uh, in the, um, uh, copier company. And that would be the go-to guide. Um, if, if you couldn't get your computer to work, if he, if he couldn't fix it, he'd call us or, and that, that was the concept. So when we, um, started our training business, we, uh, developed these courses, um, which were aimed to basically give first level support, but they evolved fantastically. And, um, we found that, uh, at one stage we were uh, training the biggest telecom company in the UK and they were. Either they were running a, a, a digital, uh, an analog to digital program and also running a redundancy program. And in either case, these guys got trained in our courses. Um, because we, we then went on to do a barefoot network engineer, teaching people how to connect networks and, and for finding, and then on to comms and security. And then we allied ourselves with a certification company, uh, a company that, that uh, publishes exams to get people qualified in, in these uh, uh, topics called the Computing Technology Industry Association. And so then our, our courses were able to be associated with an international exam. Uh, so that's where the barefoot um, uh, China, China man comes from. That's a, that's a fantastic story. It's a great differentiator. And it's, a, it's something one can, one can uh, remember or recall. You know, it's like, who are those guys? The barefoot guys it must be, you know, let's call them. It's like, that's, that's actually brilliant. I, I love that. And what's very interesting about, about technology, even that early on, I mean, you're talking about uh, analog to digital, you're talking about a whole host of, of, of changes from even just the personal users through to, to corporates. It was already being disruptive. It was being incredibly disruptive. I think if, if you think from the back end of the 80s through the 90s, it was very disruptive in terms of users now getting more and more exposure to technology and being expected to do technology and companies using technology implementations and the shift into more technology as reasons to do uh, or as a less leverage to uh, I think those I think those days they used to call it right sizing I think uh, you know to to get the company in in into more optimal and, and and so on and so forth very interesting so so you're part of that that journey that you did uh, the engineering um, you offloaded the engineering business but then then from there let's let's get into it because I want to get into the into the M and integration oh. side of things. Oh. And, and I want to try and sort of bring it back into IT and IT learning and, and how, how e-learning has um, not only has become an industry, you know, because it's become quite a big industry. If you look at the big groups like Pearson and these guys, I mean, they come from serious educational institutions, universities and these uh, and colleges and that, especially through the pandemic, are being challenged around e-learning. I mean, that, you know, just in, a, in, in that space. There's a proliferation of, of solopreneurs doing all kinds of online training, training out at walk dogs and feed their cats and all the way through to 
to some really serious training on how to use software and et cetera, et cetera. I know even uh, one of my one of my younger kids is doing A levels and and they rely heavily on YouTube to to get additional math lessons. So even the 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 math tutor business isn't is under threat, if you like, because the access to information is 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 out there. So I just want to throw that that in there in terms of the shift of the market. Now we just just let's focus on some of these these entities because when I look at your your experience, you got thought leader in the industry, founder and CEO of these entities, uh, but you do talk a lot here about the M and A co corporate finance investment banking, etc. Um, tell me a little bit about how that all how that sort of links and comes together for you in what you do in a day. Tell us a bit about what a day in the life of Robin looks like or did look like or what is going to look like. I don't know things are changing. But and then tell us how how all this all these changes have affected you. So I'm not um the great person, the greatest person to work for other people. I I don't know. I'm just a bit I guess, rebellious, I guess. And, uh, and so uh, that's why I started working. I really enjoyed working for myself. And uh, with the computer training company, um, we did lots of deals. Uh, we bought uh, a small business. We did a, a, a partnership with an organization. We then sold our business to a NASDAQ company. Um, and then I started another business, which I ran for far longer than I intended. Um, but then we got approached and we sold that. Uh, and that, that last business was an online, uh, an e-learning business for, for te te technical certification. So people would come on board um, and they actually we'd sell this, we'd sell courses overnight. Our main, in, our main customer base was in the US and um, 80% of our business was, was America, uh, and, or North America. And, and, um, and people would, uh, uh by license, they'd study online. They'd uh, watch videos online. Um, we partnered with people. So it was all different, uh, deliveries. We, they'd be able to practice labs online, working virtual labs. Um, and they take uh, practice tests online. Then they go take their exams and get a job. Um. So that, that so that uh, brought me into e-learning, and then when we sold that business, um, we actually to the to the association whose exams we've been writing content for. Uh, so it was a really, a really, I was really pleased with that, that because we'd never envisaged that we'd sell this business. Actually, um, I wanted to do something different, and um, and uh, I was not allowed to go back into technical training. Um, so. Um, because it, it was one of the exclusions past the deal, um, uh, because I wasn't supposed to compete, which of course I would never do because I can't compete with the organization's exams we were preparing for. But I decided to move into, um, online learning at the digital skills level. Um, so we started with soft skills, um, and those, are uh, courses were accredited. I thought that would be important to anybody taking one of these courses, which is video-based, you know, it'll take up to an hour and a half their time. If they pass the exam at the end, they get a stamp uh, from uh, whichever accreditation body has approved the course, uh, which goes on your CV. Uh, then I looked at the uh, products. I thought well, every single um, organization has um, uh, IT and desktop content in there. And so we, I signed up with a partner to deliver 
over a hundred uh, courses around the Office 365, including Teams, Outlook, Excel, etc. And then um, we um, met up with uh, one of the uh, awarding organizations, uh, the government bodies that approves uh, funded courses um, or part of the government funded learning um, process. And um, they like what we did. Uh, we, we customized uh, courses and produced courses for employment, skills for employment, and then the latest qualification, essential digital skills. So that's where the new company has taken work where we're targeting to close the digital skills gap. Interestingly, we are a member of a coalition of companies um, started and sponsored by Lloyds Bank, PwC, BT, and some others, um, which is um, aiming to close the digital skills gap in, uh, in business. Uh, and uh, research is taken every year on how many people don't have digital skills. And in the 2022 research, um, the findings were that 30% of the UK population, um, uh, around about 11 million people out of a working population of 32 million, uh, don't have any digital skills. So that kind of gives you an indication of uh, the work that this country has to get itself skilled up. Yeah, yeah and, cre and it creates a massive uh, opportunity for e-learning companies but also creates an opportunity for, for people who, who don't have the skills to potentially get into careers that were not possible for them potentially in the past or careers that didn't exist, but they are potentially better suited for. I want to just talk about that the, when you sold that business. I, I, maybe if we look at it from, because a lot of the guys we talk to in within these, these, these podcasts are, are people that go out and do acquisitions. I, you were on the receiving end of, of being a target. So somebody had bought you and you'd had the option of, uh, well, you had, you had a restraint, but you had the option of not selecting something else. So tell, us, tell us a bit about the psychology of, of being acquired. Tell us a bit about that sort of journey. Um, you, you got someone that's interested in buying your entity, valuing an e-learning company, from a valuations point of view, is a very it's, it's an interesting concept because you got to look at student numbers. You got to look at at sort of is it can you resell? Have you got a, a strong enough sales and marketing engine? Because if it's one-off courses and once they've done it, they can't do it again. They don't need to do it again. Is it for retraining? Can you do you know how's the business model affect the valuation? And then I want to then just switch then into how did. How was what was that like that journey like for you personally? So let let's talk about valuation and all that, and then let's get into your how you felt as being an owner, and then all of a sudden it's like, sorry, Robin, you don't need to come in here anymore. We've got this. <laughs> Absolutely, and I also did acquisitions, and and I can draw a parallel between how what was important for us when we were acquiring and when we were selling. But um, uh, for me, the the um, uh, is very simple. I don't. I don't like to be the guy who actually. I, I um, who actually crunches the initial numbers. I like to look at the at the shortlist. So um, with the last company, I teamed up on the valuation side with uh, somebody in a business school um, uh, who was a, uh, an MBA um, and uh, who helped with valuation. I then teamed up with uh, a corporate lawyer. Uh, and with a, um, an accountant. So my team was uh, um, 
a, an accountant who I knew and worked with for a long time, uh, a recommended lawyer who I'd also done some work with in, in the corporate space, who was extremely conscientious, um, who also showed me how to do things myself so that I could save fees because legal fees are never ending. Uh, and then with the, uh, the, um, uh, the business graduate, um, who, who could, uh, uh, take me through all the theoretical valuations of the business so that we can look at which ways. Because actually, in my last business, the, the offer I, I received was uh, a bit of a muddle to start with. It was, a, it was wrapped up, I think, really, to make it look big, but it wasn't big. It was wrapped up to include um, uh, um, my annual salary for the first year. And, um, uh, and, and uh, so... Um, you know, uh, it, it, um, it, it just didn't look, uh, you know, maybe I, I, it, it was a three-year contract that they wanted to offer me. So they took three years of salary and the price of your company is so much. And so the first thing that we did was to dismantle that and say, okay, so this is the business, this is the turnover, this is the margin, this is the P ratio, the earnings before tax and interest. Um, and, um, uh, and, and, and that's the value of the business. Your Contract we can negotiate later down the line. Let's keep that out of this discussion. And so we looked at the business. We went back mm. and forth and back and forth. And we finally uh, came to a valuation, which was, at least say, about three times more than the original offer. Um, then, then we looked at the, um, then we looked at the, uh, which was actually, sorry, I mean, we weren't being greedy. This was actually the correct valuation for a very a business, which was actually very profitable and very consistent. It wasn't like, and, and, and just to answer a question about, about learning, um, you may have taken a course and got qualified and got to get a job and you may not come back, but there's a lot of, you know, the population is constantly there. There are new people coming out of uni, not me, new people coming out of school, new people retraining from the army uh, or retraining from another, another job, as we can see post-pandemic, people leaving the airline industry to get into hospitality or whatever. Um, so there's always going to be people who need training. You've got to make sure your business is good and your marketing is good and people see you and come to you and the pricing is right. So from that perspective, you have to look at the, at the earnings and uh, take a view on, on a, a price earnings ratio. And, and we were a very solid company. And I have to say it was the same with the training business I sold. Um, and I'll say something in a moment about both of those sales, but, 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 um, uh, so, so I think that choosing your professional team, uh, I would always only ever work with a professional team. I, I'm not a, like, I don't decorate my house. I get something to do. We're all different. We all do differently. I, you know, I know what I can, what I can't do. And I, I believe that the way to sell your business is to make sure you've got some people around you who really understand it, but you've also got to have a very tight, um, rain on fees, um, uh, because fees can run away as I was explaining the legal fees. Um, so you have to be very careful with that. Um, so that is how I, uh, we, we worked out the, the figures for the sale. Yeah. And then tell us a bit about the personal journey because mm. um, often uh, being a smaller entity, I mean, we're not talking about a, a, a billion dollar cap company, but we, a smaller entity, I mean, it probably it's not, I'm not, not talking about small, but smaller. Yeah. Um, you have, uh, there's a, often a sentimental attachment to the entity. Because if I look at your, at your profile again, we, 
extensive entrepreneurial startup through to successful business sales. So often the entity that you're involved in is, is your baby. You know, that's the, that's, that's the, that's the, the place you spend your time, the bulk of your life, really the part you go home. That's also, you know, that's also a place that you spend a lot of time and the rest of the time you spend sleeping. <laughs> but if you think about it, the bulk of your time is in your business, doing your work, doing what you love, doing what you're passionate about. And all of a sudden somebody wants to buy it and they start putting a financial number to it. It's almost like they're putting a financial worth to you, you know, as a person. It's like, this is truly what you're worth. This is what you've done. And it's almost like a badge of, you know, a merit, you know, this is what you're worth. And if they start the negotiation wrong, you have to protect the stuff that you've built and really worked hard at, 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 at doing. And I think a lot of buyers out there don't realize that there's a strong sentimental connection to your, to the business that you've built over a period of time, worked really, really hard, overcome many, many pressures and so on. So tell me about the transition. So, so now you've agreed the deal. Tell me about that person. I want to know how, what it feel like, what was the, the emotion? So, you, you, you've, you've been working very, very hard. You've been negotiating. Everyone's in, in agreement now after a period of time, as you mentioned. And now the contract is signed. You, you then start handing over the keys. I don't know how long you were there for a little while, but obviously it's passwords these days, not keys like we did in the old days, but passwords and, and, and access and, and so on and so forth. And now you start bank detail transfers or I mean all those initial integration type of things we talk about but at the at the smaller end it's very very real you know who's got the password for that what software do you have and where who, who's got access I mean when you're doing your due diligence you don't necessarily as a buyer have know everything you know you, you don't know every single user so how did you help from your sales point of view then we'll go into you from an MA from a, an acquisition point of view how did you help the buyer overcome a lot of those initial pressures? Because obviously they they wanted the entity, signed the deal. Tell me about those emotions as you're handing over and 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 releasing that control, if you like. Well, it's very difficult because when you're <clears throat> when you run your own business, you are your own boss. When you sell the business, um, you are no longer the boss, and and it's everything that you went or you escaped from. Uh, working with someone else um, that made you start your business in the first place. So um, it, it's difficult. I think my biggest regret is that in my two larger sales, which were the training company and the and DTS Learning, which was the online certification content provider, I think my biggest regret is that is that we didn't make friends with the people who bought us. We try. I'm, I make friends with people wherever I can, but but there's a kind of uh, in both cases, there was an attitude of right. We're moving in here out the way, um, you know. We're uh, almost as if to say, "I'm taking your seat," <laughs> and your chair looks comfortable. And um, that that's a, a, a shame. For me, the important thing is um, the sentimental piece. Really, almost is really to look after your staff because if it wasn't for them, you wouldn't be there. And mm. it, uh, it's very clear this isn't a business that these are not businesses I built uh, solo. These businesses I built with a very loyal team. We had good times, we had bad times. You know, we had companies that went into administration, pulled out. We had, um, you know, we were looking at uh, at um, at uh, the uh, 
the edge of the cliff, looking down, uh, and then we came out right on top, up in in the sky. So, you know, you've just got to you've got to rely on on trust and love. And so that is what um, prompts me whenever I you know whenever I've, I've been in a position to sell a company is to try and negotiate safe passage for these guys. And unfortunately, it never works out. I mean, in my first with my training company, our best salesperson brought in 20% of our business and he was fired in three days. And I can tell you, we were in a very competitive field and uh, the competition couldn't believe their luck. So, you know, um, because, you know, because we had this, there are not a hundred companies that size and, um, and we had competitors delivering the same content, arguably a big, bigger company. They were, they were bigger than us, and, but we were getting it through our customer service and quality of delivery. But as soon as that personal relationship left, um, they had no reason to stay with us. Um, so I think, uh, personally, what I don't like is to see people come in and eliminate your brand, put in their brand as if you didn't exist, you know, you, you, you know, I think the term used with our second acquirer was to sunset our company. I mean, you know, we'd been running that company for a very long time. The name was, was, uh, the brand was really well established. I just think it's a shame people don't understand, you know, I think at the higher level, at the larger corporate, uh, uh, deals, people are much more scientific about, um, mergers and acquisitions, but I just, I felt more sad about the fact that, uh, didn't recognize the value. Uh, they didn't recognize that, that they were extinguishing what they paid for. Um, because you know, you don't, you don't build a company overnight and you don't build com- customer loyalty overnight and, and, and they trust you. And when you've gone, if there are nice people replacing you who, you know, who, who are, who are proving that they took the right choice to work with us in the first place. Uh, and respecting that, if, if that, that respect isn't there and they want to put a new staff down, then, uh, then people might as well look around the market again and say, well, maybe I can get a better deal elsewhere. Yeah. Cause I, I would imagine that in a, in a, in a training company, if I just think about the business model itself, um, a training company has, has a, a, a group, a large group of people that you rely on to deliver, to create uh, content to deliver, to update, to keep uh, students and customers happy, to make sure that that all the administration administration is done. Especially if it's accredited, you probably need to go through a few hoops in terms of making sure certificates are issued, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So there's there's quite a, an ecosystem that that exists within an, within a training business, and 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 I think sometimes there there are a few things that are. are are, are not always visible when you're going in to buy one of these, unless you're in that industry, of course. But if if I if I if I think about then that that sense that of of your staff of your employees that 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 were loyal and 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 would went with you on a journey, um, the loss of of a, a staff member such as a top sales guy leaving within a few days, I mean that does a lot to 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 make it very, very, very difficult for whoever's buying the entity. Let, let's, let's put the shoe on the other foot. Can you do that? I don't know if you can, but let's, <laughs> I mean, left shoe and a right foot. Uh, yeah, I don't know if that will work, but I mean, just, you know what I mean. Let, let's move to the other side. Let's say, okay, 
other side of the coin. I think that's where they say. So you're now in the acquisition position. Yeah. You've, you've done acquisitions. Yes. Now, knowing what you know of being on the receiving end, what is what do you think and what have you done in terms of best practice in terms of knowing that there's not just financial transaction you you got you're dealing with people tell us a bit about that i mean what is what is your sense around there well my my experience actually on on the people side has been slightly limited because the companies we bought typically have been smaller than us and um have had a few staff but what I can say is that um, if the business is successful, uh, you know, you need the key staff to stay on board. So we've actually been really careful uh, in, in keeping, for example, in the last acquisition I made in, um, in my previous company, uh, we brought on board a, a, a content developer who proved to be so good that um, uh, he, he changed the systems we were using, saved us money. Uh, he wasn't familiar with the technical training that we were doing, but, but soon became familiar. He was a very bright guy. Um, went all the way through. And I'm glad to say that when the company who bought us took us on, they took him on and he's still there today, uh, five years later, however many years. So, so I, I, I do think that you, you want to, you know, it's the same thing the other way around. If a company is successful, why is it successful? You know, it's, it must be successful because of the people working there. Um, not all of them. And clearly where you've got a total, I mean, if you've got an overlap, you've got an accountant, they've got an accountant, you trust your accountant. Um, you know, you can't have two accountants, um, but, uh, in a way well, you can, but you wouldn't normally not in this NSME. Um, but you know, as you say, uh, our training business was technical. We need content development. We needed administration. We need to look after the trainers. We need intellectual property. All these things you can look at. Uh, and in your organization, you will know. And just to answer another point you made, I would always buy or I would always get a subject matter expert to help buy a product. A company. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go into a field I didn't understand because I just don't have confidence. So now I'm going to make a success of it. I, I need somebody on board who understood that industry or it would have been an industry I understood. But um, I think you really got to respect, firstly, the, the people and secondly, the brand. So, for example, when we bought, well, we maintained the brand of the company, my last acquisition, we maintained it um, and, um, uh, for, for years. And, and my previous acquisition, we joined the two names together for a while, for about a year and a half. We had the name of the company I bought attached to the name of my company so that we had, so that, you know, you could recognize anybody being dealing with the company we bought, could see, still see that company was there. And then as they got used to us, and slowly we'd faded out. Um, and I, I think that's so much more important than just saying, right, that's it. You know, your, your brand's gone. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I also, you know, from a, um, uh, from a governance point of view, and I'm just going to touch on that. You may or may not have implemented a full governance structure, but I want to just touch on, I, I, I attended the, um, an event for higher education um, uh, some weeks back, and what was very evident within the governance frameworks that they that they have is there's an educational board and the teams that fall under that, and then there's the finance and commercial side of an educational institution, and I, and an e-learning business. 
I would imagine follows a similar sort of pattern. You get those people that are really, really strong in creating curriculum, putting the materials together, doing the certifications, et cetera. Because often these things, in order to brand yourself, you would potentially have to just, you would have to do a few things to make it yours, I'm guessing. And you would actually have to have the subject matter experts. But sometimes the educationalist uh, fraternity, let's say, don't necessarily have the commercial acumen around is the, is that a viable or a doable product uh, to be putting out there? And you also got to in, uh, you got to bring in and and, and most most government in, uh, government institutions don't have to worry too much about this. But but uh, from a commercial or a, or, or a private company, you got to think about the sales and marketing end because if you look about uh, branding packaging. Um, the intake, you know, because often with e-learning, you could probably take people in at any time and you could probably have multiple cohorts and so on, which makes it a little easier. But you've got to potentially have um, hybrid type learning. I want to just hear if, if by the time you were in, involved in that, did you do any of that sort of crossover? And I started with the governance side with this conflict between commercial education and the sales marketing, I wouldn't call it conflict. Let's just call it they're not necessarily always in alignment. I, I'm, I'm just throwing it out there. So let's your experience because e-learning as, as an industry for me is massively interesting. And e-learning as an industry, I think, has got a lot of, a long way to go in terms of becoming a proper mature industry. There's a lot of people doing things, but they're taking classroom learning and just putting it online which is not the same as doing proper e-learning. And I, and I just find that there's sometimes a conflict between the money side, the sales and marketing, the ability to bring people in and package it properly. And then the other side, I mean, the educational and, and so on. Just to, do you have any comment on that? I mean, t tell me a little bit about that sort of dynamic. Well, I think if you sit down with the, with the development team, you're soon seduced into uh, listening to them and, and, and hearing, you know, what amazing products they can develop and how it's going to be so successful. And then you've got to go away and count to 10 and then sit down, uh, with something commercial, more commercial, put your commercial hat on and say, well, that all sounds great. Am I going to be said it? And usually, um, you know, it, it may well be, not usually, but it often the case you can't sell it. Um, it's a, it's a great, con uh, great idea. The other way is you can't shortcut. So, for example, um, e-learning is, is, is becoming much more uh, interactive and engaging. People want to see interaction. They want to be engaged. So in the past, you know, you'd click on, on the button and run the course. And, um, and you might have some quizzes at the end. That, that, that was fine. But in my last company, um, we did exactly what you mentioned. We had classroom content. We put it onto our learning management system. And we knew that wasn't going to wash. So we then teamed up with a, a video um, uh, training organization. We teamed up with practice virtual labs organization. You know, we teamed up with the exam prep organization. We created an ecosystem so that when you went in, you had all these things to do, which were all different, um, which made sure you were ready to take your exam. Um, with our current business, um, we are doing the same, except that it's slightly changed. We're looking at um, uh, uh, assessment tools to decide exactly where you need the training, 
and we're looking at gamification to keep people um, engaged because you you can't necessarily keep people engaged if you are not there talking to them. Some people insist on hybrid learning, and that's fine. And we're we're get up in our new business to deliver hybrid as well. But we are essentially an online learning or an e-learning company. Uh, I think e-learning is is definitely a stick. I mean, yesterday I met um, uh, uh, somebody who's who's now teaching coding to kids from three years upwards. Um, it's absolutely fantastic. Um, another person who's teaching UX, uh, IX into uh, to kids of uh, six years upwards. Um, uh, they're teaching not only the, the UX but also empathy. It, it, so then they're trying to get kids much more attuned to the new digital age. And then we've got to go back to our coalition and look at the uh, the stats of you know 11 million people have no digital skills. Typically, they're going to be people, unfortunately, who you know haven't had that benefited from that education, or that people who are in the in the upper age group, you know, who got caught out by the pandemic and couldn't book their GP appointments or or, or couldn't order their food online. So it's it's a it's a big wide world. There's, there's a ton of stuff to do, and we're, we're just trying to get a peg hole there and pushing yeah and I, and I think i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna continue on that on that theme because i think from an e-learning point of view i think the scope is massive and and when you when you're coming from an m a and, and an integrations point of view when you're going in and you and you're doing an integration you've got to be thinking i'm i'm guessing not just the uh the standard sort of model but you've got to think about how you could um Let's call it spin this this uh, the, the current infrastructure uh, out into a much more engaging a much a much uh, more I would say it's different because now people are even doing these goggle you know I think uh, Meta yeah. doing these you know the, these visual um, virtual reality type of training and it's just become it's become quite crazy and and everyone's got the answer kind of thing. Um, and I think e-learning is probably going to go through quite a significant uh, change in 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 time to come. And as as the as learning and information become more accessible, the difficulty. And I'm going to ask you this as a as the owner of a of an e-learning business. Um, if I think about commoditization, so. 20, 30 years ago, to find information somewhere, it was pretty difficult wasn't it it was really difficult to get something now you've got for instance on linkedin linkedin bought lynda.com lynda.com was a great little e-learning type of portal they pulled it into linkedin and now they call it linkedin uh, learning and a lot of that is if you're on one of their premium packages or whatever uh, that's for free you've got other other uh, platforms that got have got uh, loads of training um, they might not be certifi certified, but um, they like 10, 20 pounds a go. You know, it's, 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 it's highly commoditized. And then on the flip side, you've got all these premium um, courses, and then you still have the universities charging 20 to 25,000 pounds minimum per year <laughs> for a degree, um, which then again, I mean, that's, that's excessive in terms of pricing, and that's probably just going to go up. Um, but, you know, everybody's in this sort of state of flux. That's my view of the e-learning space. And that's why I thought uh, to, to have you uh, today as a guest, 
tell us a bit. I mean, in terms of the future, now, I mean, you, you're an M&A guy. You've done startups. You've done acquisitions. You've done sales. I mean, you've you've done your own. Um, uh, you sold your own businesses and so on. Uh, tell us what your crystal ball says about uh, the future. I mean, where where is this stuff going in terms of e-learning? Uh, there was a really good um, uh, TikTok uh, sent to me the other day. A uh, couple get into their Mercedes. It's all in German, so I couldn't follow it. But I could follow it visually. And the guy turns the key on uh, and the screen comes on and uh, gives him an instruction to do something. And he does it, and it says no wrong instruction, not no, you know, incorrectly performed. He's in a hurry to to, to drive home. Um, please do something else. And then the wife says, "Let me do it." And then she she talks to the machine, and it comes out and says, "No, you've got to do this." And then it says, "Your boots open." And they're running around trying to drive their car out of the garage, and this computer's just giving throwing <laughs> instructions at them and refusing to let them do anything. I think we're going to, you know, we're, we're going to be in, uh, in that kind of environment for the rest of our lives. So uh, I'll get used to it. Um, the, 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 tough, the tough question that everybody asks any business owner is, so why should I buy from you? What makes you different? And that always gives me shivers down the spine. But, you know, you've got to have the answer. And our answer is, don't have, you know, we've earned these uh, customer service awards. We've earned these quality awards. I've got I put them all in the corner because... But but we, but you've got to win awards. You've got to prove to yourself you can win. Uh, you've got mm. to look after your customer. You've got to have great product, and you've got to have superstar. Three components. If I have that, I'm I'm happy. Well said. Well said. Um, I mean, I, I'm I'm just thinking in in, in terms of the the, the space. Um, I mean that that example about you know the boots open, but they don't. They probably couldn't find the boot because they didn't know that they actually had one. Um, uh, I just I just recall um, one of my one of my children. I think I don't know how old they were. Uh, they got an assignment from from the from the teacher saying, um, uh, "Go home, and what you have to do is you got to video yourself changing the tire, the wheel." of a motor car so you can do whatever research you want but what you got to do is you got to film yourself and then part of your project is obviously to put this film together and then submit it to get marks so so my son goes and he's never done it before and he was just not old enough yet for me to to show him yet but i mean it was it was quite a good ass assignment and a good lesson in terms of of the problem we have in terms of real life and the stuff that you can sort of just skim through online. And he went online and he was researching and he was checking to, uh, uh, various sites and all that and, and how to do it and so on. And I said, okay, fine, let's do it. And we, I had this Mercedes SUV and we were, we were going and I said, okay, let's start. And then he said, where's, where's the spare wheel? I oh, didn't have one. <laughs> So I said, well, let's look for it. And so what we did was we, we went, I opened this and I opened that. I said, where's the spare wheel? It's like, oh, shoot. I mean, we can't even start now. And he's ready. He's done all his research. And I'm like, okay, let's do this. Let's go. Let's go into the user manual of the actual vehicle. But And I'll show you quickly. It's actually underneath. But... You need to go in from the top and you need to unwind this thing here to drop the tire onto the ground. 
so that you can then unhook it and then move it out. But but remember, now you got to you got to undo the 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 actual nuts, the bolts, and all that kind of thing, and you got to do all of this and that. And you can't do it when it's jacked up because if you do that, you're going to throw the car over because it's 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 unsafe. So none of his videos had any safety. None of his videos even showed that they're different models of vehicles. I mean, they were just showing random stuff. Um, and even the uh, even the, the manual in, in the car didn't really show properly, you know, proper diagrams and so on. And it was real life experience for him to now take something that you could, that looks like, oh, that looks easy. But when you actually have to physically do it, it's a different story. So the other problem was he wasn't strong enough to actually lift the wheel to put it on. So I ended up helping him do it and we changed the wheel and he did his video and everything worked out absolutely fine. But I just, just want to bring that back to the sort of new e-learning um, space. And, and, and unfortunately or fortunately, we work in a, in a knowledge world where lots of people have lots of knowledge, but they don't necessarily have the hands-on. They're not getting trained hands-on. And I think there's a, there's a shortage of hands-on things. And I think that's that's the difficulty. That comes back to your 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 people looking for, you know, this instruction that the computer's telling them to do, but because they physically haven't done, they don't even know how the car's been put together. So I mean, I don't say everyone has become mechanics or whatever. I'm just saying that it's just very interesting to see that everything's become knowledge. Everybody knows everything about everything, but when it comes to actually doing it. It's a totally different story. And, and, and what I'd like to see in the e-learning space is that experiential learning is part and parcel of, of where things are going. But that's, that's, my, own, that's my own view. But going, going into the future, I, uh, I'd like to ask you a little bit more about, tell me about your company. And I see that you, 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 um, you come up as, if I just go back to that, uh, extensive entrepreneurial startup through successful business sales, M&A, strong deal, contacts, education sector, relationship builder, linguist, and networker. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish with that. I mean, I'm basically, we read, we're at the end of the hour now, and I want you to give us um, the background of the current company. I want you to tell people really, how do they get hold of you if they want to talk to you? And, 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 what, and just give us a flavor of, of sort of, so what does make you different? I know it gives you a chill down your spine, but 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 <laughs> why are you, Robin? Like what what makes you special and different? Okay, so just uh, picking up on those uh, various points, um, the name of the company is Barefoot E Learning, uh, BarefootElearning.com. Uh, we specialize in training people in digital skills. Uh, we can do much more technical stuff, but typically we're doing either uh, skilling people for life or for work so that they can get a better job or upskill in the job. Uh, we also have a whole portfolio of soft skills so we can deal with stress management, with uh, time management, with leadership skills, uh, and with hospitality, for example. Uh, I, I'm supposed to be flying off to, to Spain and I'm not sure that my uh, uh, flights will fly because people have left the airlines to go into hospitality. Um, maybe we should sell less training in hospitality. No. Uh, and um, I, have, I have to say, I'm really excited by the people I'm working with. Um, I think they have a fantastic, and in fact, I, I just think there's a great blend of um, the, 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 the new generation of people around us have got such strong entrepreneurial spirit 
that it really is exciting. So I'm, I'm really enjoying doing what I do. Um, and uh, I think that we've got a great team. All our content is video based. Um, in none of it is very lengthy. Um, and we're looking constantly to reinvent, to disrupt, to make it more engaging. Uh, and so, you know, a year from now, I'm sure that we'll be again, very different. Mm-hmm. Um, also putting all my history into a book. Um, it's not going to be a big book. It's going to be a short book. It's really, uh, about entrepreneurs, you know, um, learning the hard way. Um, and, uh, basically I've touched on quite a few points today. I just hope that it'll be of interest to some people to see what I did. I'm grateful. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it will. And, and, and it's a space as well that, that, that you've, you've carved out for yourself, which is, which is unique. I mean, it's, this is not, this is not an everyday space. I mean, e-learning, getting into this, into this environment. Uh, I think it takes a special and a unique individual to have gone through this, this journey of technology change from the nineties, where it was just pure technical now into the softer skills thinking about how do we how do we do this better while keeping the business growing and developing how do we keep disrupting how do we keep re, uh, reinventing and i think it's a fascinating journey and i think from uh from the 90s to now i mean there's been a huge amount of reinventing and 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 I and I really think, and I wish you absolutely all the best, Rob. And I think, and I'll be please let let me let me know when you come on the next episode. Um, I want you to go through your book a bit and and share some of the the stories and anecdotes and 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 pinpoint a few golden nuggets, uh, takeaways for the audience and so on. And maybe that's how we can sort of leave and uh, end the podcast. Is if you've got any in anything to share around uh, M&A integrations, anything to do with even disruption. And because you, you are constantly integrating as it is in, in a space, although you in an entity, I think you're continuously integrating new technologies, new methods of learning, new ways of doing the same thing. So as a, as a sort of a goodbye, give a gift to the audience, sort of a golden nugget or two if, if you can. So the golden nuggets, I don't say, but for next time then. <laughs> no, no, there's more to come because you're, you're, you're a guy with lots, <laughs> lots of experience. Well, um, I, I think um, the world has changed. You know, and you can now get money, as I said earlier, in our, in our uh, uh, courting. You can now access funds more readily from uh, venture capitalists and from crowdfunding. But in my day, you went to a bank, you borrowed money, you signed a guarantee. And um, I hated signing guarantees. And I then found I'd signed the wrong guarantee. Um, and that is one of the worst uh, experiences I've ever had, realizing that I signed a guarantee, sold the business, paid off the bank loan, started a new business, borrowed money from a, from a different, different bank, but it was related. And suddenly they appear and they, they say, right, you know, get up and pay the money back. Otherwise, we, we own all your assets. And I said, that can't be right. And they said, oh, well, 10 years ago, you sold you signed a, a guarantee. And I said, I signed a guarantee uh, secured on the company. No, 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 it wasn't. It was secured on you. Um, and the only way to cancel it is for you to go back and cancel your personal all monies guarantee. So, you know, they're pretty disingenuous. And I just think you've got to be so careful. Um, 
not to get into debt because it's just not worthy. Well, but the thing about an entrepreneur is that you can get nowhere if you were too cautious. Um, so we've taken risks and thank goodness. And and then you've done incredibly well. And Robin, I, I'm, I'm, I'm loving the, the career and the journey that you've done. I'm really looking forward to your book. Um, I, I really just think that, that, that the e-learning, um, education, teaching people, making sure people are skilled. I think it's, it's a gift. I think it's something, it's a calling for me. I, I mean, uh, I, I just, you know, from an educational point of view, uh, my mother uh, was a teacher for around 50 years. I mean, she was an educationist. That was her calling. I mean, she didn't matter any time of day. She was there. She was helping. And she was, that was her calling in life. And I think if you're in e-learning and this type of, you might be in business, which is fine. You still need a bit of challenge. But I think, I think from an from a educational point of view, I think, I think it's a wonderful thing to be in to help people improve their lives to get them to the next level and to take them uh, potentially to the the place where they're fulfilling their own purpose and getting and having better fulfillment in in their lives and I think that's that's e-learning is going to make learning much more accessible around that's, the world and I think that's a fantastic journey but you you must come on the next show and yes you are going to have more golden nuggets and <laughs> yes no matter what business you're in there's always stuff happening yeah. Um, one, we won't use a word that, that is not allowed on, 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 on TV or yeah. on, 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 on a video recording, but, um, stuff happens and, and we just have to learn to deal with it. Uh, exactly. Robin, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you for advising me. Please stay on the line. I'm going to just say goodbye to our audience and, uh, and, and thank you very much for, for your time. Uh, thank you very much, everyone. Uh, this is hundred days and beyond. Uh, the podcast that focuses on the business owners, the entrepreneurs, the M&A practitioners, the people that do the integration work, the people that do the behind the scenes, uh, hard energy sapping, hard uh, uh, mental um, uh, uh, dedication, work in the backgrounds to make businesses work. Um, and the journeys that they go through, they're real, they're human beings, and there are challenges that come our way. Um, uh, and, and, and especially if you've been in a smaller business environment, you've got to cover so many different bases. And when it comes to integration work, M&A work, if you've bought or sold smaller businesses, the, the complexities that you've got to deal with are potentially sometimes very overwhelming. And I think Robin has done a fantastic job in his career. And uh, I mean, I'm just very, very happy that Robin's continued to, to, to be in the e-learning sector and to continue growing and expanding where, where he's going right now. Um, thank you again for joining us today. Our podcast listeners, our live stream listeners, thank you again. Please join us on our next episode of 100 Days and Beyond, where we'll have another guest that will, I'm hoping, Again, we'll give you the background and understanding of where we are in this in this wonderful, complicated, yet I think uh, highly rewarding world of M&A and everything else that, that, that happens around there. Thank you. Goodbye. Have a good weekend. Hi, everybody. This is Dudley again. And if you need help with a future or existing post-merge integration, 
I want to invite you to arrange a free, no obligation meeting with us. During the meeting, we'll find out exactly what you need, what your challenges are, and we'll explain how our unique PMI slipstream method can help you. Simply call us or visit mergerintegration.co.uk. That's mergerintegration.co.uk or come to our website, skillfulpursuit.com. 